Survival is one step on the path to living. Hello and welcome to Under the Call of MS, episode 42. That's a little quote from the final season of Clone Wars. Great show if you're in Star Wars, check it out. Enjoy it. Get on Disney Plus right now. They got the final season up. uh, All right. Today we're going to talk about from Marvel Comics, Marvel's horror comics, Crypt of Shadows. You shouldn't be here. This is a place for the dead, for the damned, for the unholy. You should not be here. And yet, Cannot stay away. There is something within this land of buried dead. A power dark and sinister. A knowledge potent and corrupt. That pulls you in deeper and deeper. Past the old gate. Down the winding passageways. Cutting through hills postmarked with tombstones. So old they are barely legible. At the end of the pass stands a building. It's stone facade, cracked and broken by time. What is that name carved above this haunting mausoleum's heavy metal door? Why, it's yours, dear reader. The undeniable gravitation of the inky darkness pulls you in. You should not be here, and now cannot leave. Al Ewing's the writer in here. Gary Brown's an artist. Stephen Green's an artist. Jabril Morissette Fon is an artist. Chris O'Halloran does colors. BC's Travis Lanham is a letterer. Varying covers and stuff as usual with most comic books, but yeah, this is a story of kind of get the concept that the guy's, that's, well, the guy comes in to talk to a psychiatrist about his issues with dogs and his fear of dogs, and he tries to get that fear fixed. And you kind of get the feeling that maybe this isn't a person, maybe this is a ghost, you're not sure. Uh, is a psychiatrist something she is not? It's just, but it goes through and through, and this the character tells different stories about what happens or what he's dreamt about or imagined or went through, or you don't really know until you read it and get the basis of everything. But good. Horror story layout, uh, nice artwork, but uh, if you care about animals and stuff, this isn't a good book for you because there's a lot of animal uh, abuse. Well, not physical. Well, yeah, there's some abuse, and then. animal mutilation and stuff like that so if you're in don't like that stuff this isn't the book for you 
But if you like the horror style books where they usually throw like a few different stories together or something, kind of has that layout to it because he tells these different stories, but it's all connected in one. So it's nice, complete little story for the issue number one. So you're not left hanging and waiting for something else at the end. You can get the full gist of the whole concept in here. And then in the back, you got a history of Marvel Horror Comics. Nopsis thing in there that you can check out, which is nice. Shows some of the different covers and stuff. But yeah. If you like horror, check this out. As long as you don't have problems with animalists being harmed. <laughs> uh, and then for free comic book day that this week. Like I've said in the past, free comic book day is every day this year. Because you just go into a shop and they constantly get more and more of the free comics that were supposed to come out. So you can get one every time you go. Just pick up more, one or two. Shops usually give one or two out to each customer that buys something. Or I think even if you don't buy something, most shops will give you at least one of the free comics. But this time I picked up the Blade Runner 2019 and uh, it's got me intrigued. I, I like what they're doing with this. The Blade Runner in here is a female. Uh, it basically got, if you've seen the movie and stuff, it's the basic, same basic concept and all that. But uh, I like where the storyline was going and it's I definitely want to pick some up where how well it did in the initial part of the run I'm not sure how long of a run they did or what what they're going with but it's done by Titan Comics and uh yeah Blade Runner 2019 check it out if you're into the sci-fi little Harrison Ford movie and stuff like that was fun and interesting and this month is the best month of the year october so i'm gonna try and there everything will probably have something horror related haunted horror ghostly whatever i come across i will try and keep it in that realm for the month but uh Hey, right. multiple sclerosis talk. Talk about your personality's resilience. Researchers have developed several tools to measure an individual's resilience. One of them is the resilience factor inventory, a 60-item questionnaire that is based on well-known resilience studies. The inventory assesses seven personality characteristics contribute to resilience. Being able to control your emotions when you're under pressure. Number two is exercising control over your impulses and behavior. Number three is accurately identifying the true cause of your adversity. Four is believe you can solve problems and be successful. 
five is staying active or staying positive about the future while still being re realistic. Six, showing empathy towards others and developing relationships. And seven is thinking positively and embracing challenges and opportunities. Which I know with, when we're not feeling good and stuff, it can be hard to be positive about anything. We just gotta suck it up and put that smile on our face and, and which we're so good at. Uh, one list you can find at the, via charter.org, B I A C H or via character.org. <laughs> B I A C H A R A C T E R.org takes 24 different strengths and breaks them down into six broad categories. Uh, another source for inventories of your strengths and resilience is at talenttools.org. If you have trouble identifying your particular strengths, whether through these inventories or other methods, a mental health professional can help you evaluate them objectively, develop resilience through workout, improving your physical and emotional, and mental health can help, health can help you take the steps to becoming more resilient. What's more, the opposite is also true. Increasing your resilience can also make you feel better physically, emotionally, and mentally. People who had higher resilience scores also had lower rates of depression and higher quality of life, even if they had high levels of pain and fatigue. Stress, too, affects resilience. Our brain kicks into gear with stress hormones like cortisol to avoid real or perceived harm. This is known as the fight-or-flight response, and it's genetically pre-programmed in each of us. The more cortisol, cortisol you produce when you're stressed, the more vulnerable you are to resilience zappers like depression and anxiety the 12 lifestyle behaviors that basically are make you better is sleep lack of sleep compromises emotional regulation exercise any form of exercise helps the brain produce a peptide called bdnf which has been shown in some studies to help improve cognition, which I obviously need today. A little bit out of it early this morning, trying to get this out so I can uh, have it out to you guys because I didn't do the mowing yesterday because it was around 60 yesterday and so I knew it was going to be in the low 70s today, so I figured I'd wait till today to. Tomorrow, and then Thursday, I have a doctor's appointment, so I'm trying to definitely, hopefully, get you at least two podcasts out this week and the Sunday podcast. But uh, better you're able to think during times of adversity, the more resilience you can exhibit. Social support, people with MS who have more relationships and social networks also have greater resilience. Mindfulness, meditation, 
meditation improves your quality of life and reduces fatigue and depression in people with MS. Practicing gratitude. As you get ready for bed, thinking of something that made your day special or meaningful can give you strong emotional benefits. And I know I can't remember what it was from, but something I read a long time ago. Instead of you smile and laugh at least once a day, it's supposed to be better for you and stuff. And they suggested doing a thing like uh, just saying out loud, ha, 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 he, 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 ho, 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 ha, 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 he, 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 ho, 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 while you're smiling and you're mentally that's supposed to make us in a higher, better mode for the day or better for our bodies and stuff. Heavier we are, the harder it is on our bodies, so it's supposed to put some positive vibes through us. (laughs) That stuck with me once I read it. Uh, Practicing gratitude as you get ready for bed, thinking of something that made your Day special or meaningful can give you strong emotional benefits. Post-traumatic growth, uh, when something bad happens, ask yourself, what can I learn from this challenge and how can I change my behavior? Uh, Some recommended books are Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by David Burns. It came out in 2008. And Mind Over Mood, second edition, Change How You Feel by Changing the Way You Think by Dennis Greenberger and Christine Podesky, came out in 2015. You can create a mind shift, resilient people. Don't look at misfortunes from an all-or-nothing perspective. Taking a pair of post-it notes and writing catastrophe on one and annoyance on the other. The next time something bad happens to you, choose a note. Chances are you'll find yourself grabbing the annoyance note more often than the catastrophe one. A lot of times we just blow things out of proportion. It's hard living with people with dementia. And this COVID thing, because every day that they, the TV comes on or a newspaper says something or whatever, they're like, oh, my God, there's so many cases. It's like multiple times throughout the day, over and over. They just keep repeating that and worrying about different things. And it's like they never remember that they've already seen it and you've explained to them how safe they are as long as they follow rules and all that it's just it's hard hard keeping that brain working the way it should but, uh, practicing optimism people have an optimism set point that's determined genetically and accounts for about 50% of their happiness And studies of people who have won the lottery show that only about 10% 
of happiness is situational. That means you can create as much as 40% of your own happiness by simply focusing more on the positive than the negative. <clears throat> Having a purpose or meaning in life, engaging in an activity that makes you feel like you're contributing to the world can change your thinking. It doesn't have to be something big, just something that is meaningful to you. And that's why push for damn masters to get out there and just talk about your conditioning. It's better for you to let things out than to leave it just searing away inside us, just waiting to explode. So get it out there, someone might listen to you. If not, at least you're getting stuff off your shoulder. And you might find out that it's fun in the long run for you. Know when to let go. Quitting a project or pursuit of a goal in the face of unattainable odds can increase your resilience and even boost your longevity. Practicing forgiveness. People who are unwilling to forgive have higher levels of cortisol and thus more depression or anxiety. It may be necessary to actually forgive your MS or your symptoms or exasperations in order to improve your resilience and quality of life. If you're having trouble doing this, a therapist can help. Identifying and deploying signature strengths. People who spend time doing things they like and are good at have a clinically significant decrease in depression. And finally, give yourself a break. Rather than making resilience building exercises another daily duty, focus on the ones you really enjoy. Watching a movie with your friends or children builds resistance. So does knitting or collecting model cars and taking time to simply watch the clouds or listen to your breathing can also boost your resilience. Uh. Basically, do things that are in the positive. Stay away from the negative. Find yourself hobbies, things that can make you happy, keep you busy. Keep yourself motivated, keep your body going. Tiniest little bit of exercise just to keep those joints moving somewhat. Even if you're stuck to a chair, do some arm things, movements and stuff. Get that blood flowing, get the body happy. But, yeah. And then, I, uh, well, I should give, let everybody know what the results of my colonoscopy and we're dying to know more about that. Haven't talked enough about the poop. <laughs> but uh, my biopsy result from the polyp that was removed just showed that it was a adenomatous polyp. And the small ball bi biopsy was normal. 
uh, as far as polyps go, the adenomatous polyps are benign polyps, but do not have the potential to develop into cancer if not removed. Your polyp, my polyp was removed. Uh, and then national guidelines require that once you have a polyp, there's a need for a follow-up exam every five years or in five years because the polyps tend to reoccur. So that's a good thing, I guess. I get to go in and get this done every five years. <laughs> At least I found out now it's not as bad as what people were making it up to be. So hopefully I'll have a great staff like I had this last time. Every time, but yeah, so nothing really to worry about. All positive. I'm good to go for a while. There are a couple hemorrhoids all up here and there. I can live with that instead of having colorectal cancer or some strange crap like that. Uh, that is, I found this, so I wanted to just throw it out there. I wrote a letter to, this is an example of what bothers me about doctors nowadays. It's just, not nowadays, I guess, always, but you'll have doctors that you just don't know if they're really listening to you or not. But I wrote a letter that says, hello, I have been working with Action Physical Therapy for the past few weeks to help with stability issues because of my left leg ACL being gone. And since doing this, my tipping dizziness has been more active. And I wanted to report it since my therapist said he was going to contact my doctors and wanted me to also contact them. Last Thursday, 11-3-16, I had the visual experience I randomly get when the world around me visually tilts and then it tilts and jumps and turns and it feels like I'm the world around me is just totally off access. And, uh, I had the visual experience I randomly get where the world around me visually tilts. And then for the next few days, felt like you do when you spin around with your eyes closed and then try to run straight but fall to the side. And each day it got a little better. And it was back to close to normal by Sunday, 11 6, 16. Still feel cloudy-headed most days and got severe vertigo feeling a couple days this week. Other issues like bruised area in the ball of the right foot and during therapy first week, the rubber band around my knees caused severe pain in the left side of my left knee as it, as I, as it pulled and stretched the knee buckled inward and still has been bruised feeling that goes into the left hip which has pain also left knee has given out a couple times this week also when walking the dog thanks and have a good day then my doctor wrote back my neurologist thanks for the update it sounds like you're doing all he can do try to maintain your function and to see you in the spring Say, okay, so screw all my issues and I'll see you in <laughs> six months. And it's like, 
that's why I changed neurologist because my last neurologist, every time I came up with any issue, he just basically ignored it and went on to whatever he felt needed to be done with something else and constantly trying to tell you that you're good to go and don't worry about it. When I'd say something about a symptom that comes and goes, he sat there Say if it's not a permanent symptom, it's not MS related. You know, we all, there's lots of us out there that go through these different things and uh, get these different doctors that just seem to ignore us, treat us like they're veterinarians and we're animals. We can't speak. We're just barking and barking away and. They just ignore us over it. Yeah. That's the podcast for today. It's not a great one. I'm beat. But I got to get my day started and get things done. So at least I got this one out there. And I'll hopefully get another one out to you Thursday. If, if I think it's looking rough, I might do it tomorrow and just bank it for Thursday or something like that. So it can come out while I'm at the doctor's. Going to find out. Oh, I got to take my whole CPAP machine to my new neurologist. He wants, I don't know why he needs the machine. He gets all the results and everything from the company. So, But I got to bring all the equipment in and disconnect it. And reset it up when I get back home unless he decides to keep it because I'm gonna definitely tell him what I feel about it. It's just not really not really showing me any promising effects and it's really annoying trying to sleep with that damn thing. It's like I was getting way better sleep before all this crap happened. <clears throat> it's definitely not helping with fatigue issues or anything like that or pain issues. I don't know what to say. I'm sure he'll say well you should getting more hours on the mask because I'm only getting an average of five hours with the mask on. But it was only a half of a occur- 0.5 occurrences every hour, which I don't know what that means, or 0.2 to 0.5. When I have a night where the air is flowing extra hard or something, it's I still haven't figured out what I got to do to fix all that crap. When I have that, then I might have like one point two or 1.5 occurrences every hour, which I'm guessing is like a, where you stop breathing or something like that. Who knows? But we'll see. I'll let you know what he says, I guess. We'll go from there. So you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon.